Well, hello, everybody. Welcome once again to the best new sports podcast. We are called Blood is Thicker Than Ballers. I am one of your hosts, Robin Segzume, and I'm here with my brother, Jonathan Exume. We're going to talk about some sports today. We're going to talk about some football. We're going to talk about some NBA, the, the topics that we know you love. So to get things started this week, we're going to have to kind of do a rewind about what we talked about last week. Yes, we and do. Session, and in this session, we're going to have to fess up when we mess up because I distinctly remember on last week's pod, we had our AFC NFC championship game picks. I chose the Packers and the Chiefs. And if I remember correctly, John, you chose the Bills and the Packers. Yes, oh, I four did. Two. Oh, four, two. <laughs> oh, four, two for you. I was one for one. Tom Brady, man. What can you say about Tom Brady? Um, you know, he's a GOAT. But to kind of get started, John, give me your thoughts on what you saw last Sunday in those NFC AFC championship games. Hold on a second. You know, I was a little parched. Let me uh, clear my throat. So everyone who's, everyone who's, who's been listening to our show knows that I picked the Bills and the Packers, and mainly because I really felt that it was their time. Now, what I saw last week, and clearly – uh, Kansas City on on the AFC side, Kansas City is not to play with. All right, they came out with some energy and some like I guess anger to, to sort of prove to the league that listen, we can't be touched. You can't touch us. Um, the play of um, the cheetah, um, play of Travis Kelsey. I'm like, if you're a quarterback in the NFL and you have the number one and arguably the number two best receivers on your team, nothing is impossible for you, okay? And Patrick Mahomes basically showed us that this is his league until he until he lets someone else touch it. On the other end, what we saw in the NFC Championship game, and this is my humble opinion, I think Aaron Rodgers is overrated. And I know this, yeah. is, gonna, this is going to ruffle some feathers, but he's overrated. He can't, he, yes, he's won a Super Bowl before. I don't think he has the magic now. And honestly, at this point in time in his career, I think he needs to leave Green Bay and go somewhere else. Okay. And, you know, we'll probably dive into that, you know, a little bit later. But what I saw was, and this is my thing. We, we already knew that the Packers defense was suspect. We knew this ahead of time. We knew that. But the Packers, the Packers defense was rated one of the, the better units now they kind of scuffled i think later on in the season but they were a good enough unit i think true to win to win the nfc i true. would say that about the Packers. true defense. but but still but still we know the packers defense in the playoffs they were their suspect and for me um there were moments in the game where if you're the, if you're arguably the second best quarterback in the league behind mahomes you need to make certain plays. And to me, the difference was whenever the Buccaneers forced a turnover, they capitalized with touchdowns. Mm -hmm. And when the Packers forced turnovers, they didn't capitalize with touchdowns. True. Um, 
on one of the last possessions in the game when the Packers were down, I think around the 9, 10-yard line, what I saw with my eyes was Aaron Rodgers had about eight, nine yards. He could have ran into the end zone. Now, granted, Aaron Rodgers is not the fastest quarterback in the league. We know that. But he's quick enough. And instead of him just taking off and running, he decides to throw a a, a pass literally in almost double coverage. What happened was the Buccaneers baited him to throw certain areas. And and for me, um, I put 80% of the blame on Aaron, 20 on LaFleur. And, um, you know, we we can dissect that percentage, but... I feel that when you're the arguably the second best, you, when you're arguably probably the MVP of the league this year, mm-hmm. there are times in a game where you have to put your cape on and say, I got this. Yeah. I, carry got, this. I got to make it happen. Yeah. So pass it on to you, man. So what were your thoughts? So one of the things that stood out to me, I mean, because the AFC championship game kind of went the way I expected, you know, Kansas City is a better team, Buffalo, Mm-hmm. You know, they had a good season, but it's not it's not their time. And it's going to be a while, I think, before Buffalo makes it back to a um, conference championship game. I'm, that's that's my assessment of, of Buffalo and in the, in the AFC. Mm-hmm. NFC, man, what stuck out to me was a lot of the same things, man. Aaron Rodgers really didn't step up and make the plays that you need your exactly. quarterback to make. Didn't make exactly. – I mean, and that was – it was difficult because, you know, he's having an MVP season. He's been, you know, on point uh, – you know, I I definitely think he's he's the most valuable player and played the best in terms of the quarterback position this season. But I mean, he got outplayed by Tom and Tom Brady didn't play all, all that great, to be honest with you. He had three Did interceptions. You? He had three interceptions. So it was it wasn't as if you know Tom Brady was just masterclass Tom Brady. Uh, we just had it was it was just just Aaron. He wasn't even Aaron Rodgers. It was just Aaron. You know what I'm saying? And he just was not the guy that seemed ready to carry his team. Uh, right. Rob, you know, I want to interject one point that you just said there. Yeah. Tom Brady threw three interceptions in this game. Yeah. Tom Brady's, when you look at his overall performance, he was just okay. Yep. yep. You got to cash that game in. I'm sorry. You got yeah. to cash that game in if you're Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. That was not vintage Tom Brady. That was not like, oh, man, you know, he just, like, carved them up. No, the Packers defense played well enough to – uh, to help Green Bay win that game. And, you know, if you're at home, you're Aaron Rodgers, you're the MVP, you got to make plays. Also, I think Matt LaFleur made a huge mistake late in that game. You down eight points. You have an opportunity to tie the game and you go for a field goal. I'm not giving Tom Brady the ball back with two minutes for him to run the clock out. Tom Brady's going to execute in that um, situation. He's one of the best when it comes to situational football or your team needs a field goal. Can you get me down the field? Tom Brady got that. Oh, we got to hold the ball for the next four minutes so they won't get the ball back so we can win this game. Tom Brady got that. I'm right. not giving Tom Brady the ball. I'm taking my shot at trying to tie this game because you do not know if you're ever going to get that chance again. And, of course, what happened? They don't get the chance again. Right. But I think you know? but I think what was going through Matt LaFleur's hand, head was he felt his defense was playing at that point of the game well enough where he, they could get even though, Even right? though, even if y'all playing well enough, you're at – the Tampa Bay eight yard line, wouldn't you be better served to make a stop deep in their territory? Because they're not going to be able, they're not going to really call a lot of deep passing plays that deep in their own territory. So my thing is, even if I get stopped and I believe my defense can get me the ball back, I got a better shot at stopping you at your own eight, as opposed to your own 25, where you have more field to play with. And the playbook opens up. I just, 
I mean, listen, I'm not a coach. I wholeheartedly disagree. I think Matt LaFleur blew it. Right. I think I think he blew it. He's and to me, I've got Aaron Rodgers. If anybody can make a play, fourth down and goal from the eight yard line, anybody can make a play. I should believe in the MVP to lead, be able to make that play. Right, and, but Rob, to to um, Lafleur's point, here's the thing: you're Aaron Rodgers, so I I think in the league there's maybe four quarterbacks that have the leverage to look at their coach and say. No, we're going for it. I think Aaron Rodgers is one of those guys. And I think Aaron Rodgers should use his shooting. Mm-hmm. To me, what I got from the game, when you listen to the press conference, was Aaron sure. Rodgers was basically deflecting blame yes, to everyone does, else but him. And he does that when he loses. Oh, well, you know. Uh, yeah, he doesn't you know, want to accept blame. No, you're Aaron Rodgers. You make, yeah, the, Aaron Rodgers. you make the calls. Yeah, yeah. You, Aaron Rodgers has accepted. Yeah. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers has to accept his part. As, as far as the, you know, saying no, it really depends on your relationship. Right. Um, because you remember last season, they really weren't, you know, there's a lot of talk about, oh, man, Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers don't like each other and, uh-huh. uh, you know, things of that nature. But I think, you know, in that situation, he's going to ride with his coach because I think to a certain extent that narrative of them not getting along was still out there, not as much as it was last year, but there were times, man, when you watch Aaron Rodgers, you know, you watch, I don't see every Packers game, but you know, you kind of see him making these the faces, I guess, to the sideline, right, right, right. you faces. know, and it's always like, he's probably real conscious of the fact that, Hey man, the camera's on me all the time. If I'm do this, then I'm showing my coach up. And if it don't work out, then the blame is on me. So I'm going to say, all right, you don't want to kick a field goal? All right, you got it. Kick a field goal. But then that opens up the opportunity to blame Matt LaFleur. Because right now in that situation, we don't even get on Aaron Rodgers. Because that is a good right. point. Because if you right. looked at the uh, uh, AFC Championship game, there was a situation in the first half where it looked like Andy Reid was, was about to either kick a field goal or I don't know if they were even punting or kicking a field goal. It was fourth down. Mm-hmm. And you saw Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes didn't even move from the field. He told he waved everybody back to the sideline and said, let's go. Give me the play. Right. And and, and what happens? They ended up converting. But it's, right. it's relationship. It's a relationship thing, I think, with player and coach to the point where you feel comfortable enough to say, you know what, coach, I got I understand what you, where you're coming from, but back up. I got this. Right, but yeah. to me, Rob, at that point in time, I think Aaron Rodgers has the ability to say, he has the ability. go for yes, it. But, but to me, watching how he played when they were coming behind, like the minute I saw them go down at halftime, I remember, I remember, you know, we were tweeting in our brother's chat. To yeah. me, the game was over at that point. Like to me, yeah, that, that I lost all that, faith that's in the Packers at that point. Give up that touchdown late in the first half like that. Man. Right. That's inexcusable. And, and to me, like, um, even with that, like the blown touchdown, I'm like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense basically scored on turnovers. Yeah. They converted short fields. So so when they were asked to drive the ball the length of the field, that didn't happen much in the game for them. It was, you made a mistake, yeah. you scored. And despite the mistakes that the offense did, the defense, in my opinion, which is still suspect, in my opinion, still the defense played, played well enough. enough. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not passing. You turned Tom Brady over three times in a, in yeah. a championship, in a, in a conference championship game. You've done your job. You held them to 27. Was it, it was, was it 27 points? Oh, no, 31 points. Sorry. Right. Um, 31 points they gave up despite those three turnovers, which is still a lot. But a lot of that, of course, came off of that uh, early interception and they had some turnovers that uh, they were able to convert for a Tampa right. Bay. But if, with that being said, Aaron Rodgers is now just like us on the couch watching right. 
the rest of the season play out. And that season is going to culminate uh, next Sunday in the Super Bowl between yes. Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady, the old school GOAT against who a lot of people feel is going to be the greatest when he. So it, this Super Bowl should be coined the GOAT versus the future GOAT. I mean, the GOAT against the Billy GOAT. Yeah. The GOAT against so, the Billy so what's your prediction? Like, give me a score. Man, this is this is a difficult um, game to kind of, uh, you know, kind of predict because I can see it going two separate ways. I can see Patrick Mahomes with two weeks, body feeling good, the foot is feeling good, and able to make plays down the field on a consistent basis, and Kansas City, you know, comes out and wins this game. But also, I can see where Tom Brady's able to control the football, Remember, uh, uh, Antonio Brown is going to be back for this game, okay? Right. Uh, I can see where they can control the football, use Leonard Fournette. I see a lot of Leonard Fournette in this game. That's going to be the, because they're going to try to hold on to the football because you uh -huh. cannot play up and down with Kansas City. They'll, they'll run you right off the field. I also, a big key, Shaq Barrett and JPP, okay? If those guys can get up in there and mix it up a little bit, that can be problematic for the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> With all that being said, though, with all that being said, though, I got Kansas City winning it. Uh -huh. Okay. I got Kansas City winning the Super Bowl 34 24, with your MVP being Patrick Mahomes. Okay. Okay. 34 24. <laughs> I know I'm picking against Tom Brady, and that's, you know, that's, that's difficult because Tom Brady, he's proven every single time you guys doubt him. Like the guy comes through, man. It's 10 Super okay. Bowls. 10 Super Bowls this guy has been in. That's not by mistake. But Patrick Mahomes, 34-24. And if <laughs> I don't and you know, I don't I don't know. I don't know how this game is gonna go, but I think right now we may be on the precipice. All right. That's a that's a two <laughs> word right there. I don't even know how to spell that word. Precipice. <laughs> precipice. Mm. Of a new dynastic reign in the NFL. This will start. Think about this. This is a huge game, and more so than just being a regular Super Bowl. Right. It, are we are we being ushered into a new dynasty being represented or, or coming into the league after we just had the Patriots dynasty? You know, and which seems to be kind of restarting or ending. Are we having a new dynasty in the league, or is it one for the senior citizens? Of the NFL, okay. Tom Brady. Tell me, All tell right. me, what you think, bro? So, folks, um, people are gonna people are gonna probably blow up our email or poke fun at me on my uh, Instagram page. I see the Super Bowl being forty-eight to twenty-one. Oh wow! Forty-eight twenty-one Chiefs. I oh, wow. think so. Um, I. <laughs> I know our audience is like, what is this dude talking about, man? But you remember the Super Bowl where, uh, remember when the Broncos and the Seattle Seahawks played? Mm -hmm. And the game just like got out of hand mad quick. That's because of Seattle's great defense. Right. And but Peyton Manning, he, right. Peyton Manning can't move from, from the pocket. He, right. They just punked them pretty much. I think... Because remember, Spags is the is the guy. Spags is the coordinator. Yeah, yeah. same coordinator for the Giants when uh, yep. Yeah, so Giants. 
I feel Spags is going to have a game plan that this game is going – because here's the thing. I've been – if you really look at the playoff games that Tom Brady has played in this playoffs, right, the only team where I think he was really good at and and decent at was really against the Redskins. If you look at the games – Remember, oh, sorry, sorry. You you know the Redskins no longer exist. The Washington. So, sorry, football, you folks. The, the Washington, Washington football, football team. team. My bad. Oh God. Oh, oh goodness. Please don't flag us um, <laughs> on YouTube or on our podcast. But the Washington football team. When you watched that, um, to me, he didn't. Tom Brady didn't play exceptionally well against the Saints. The Saints turned the ball over. They the did. Defense. The defense has carried them through the playoffs. Yes. You know, it's not Tom Brady's lightning arm and amazing yeah. passes. The offense has played with a lot of short fields to score. When it comes to short fields, the offense has been great. But I just think what's going to happen is there's going to be an early turnover in this game, mm-hmm. a fumble or something, and then the floodgates will open. Because here's the thing. I don't care what you say. There is no one on the Buccaneers, and I, and I know they get Win, um, Winfield. Winfield should be back. Yeah, yeah. Didn't have him. Um, again, another reason why that the Packers should have won. Winfield didn't yep. play. Yeah, I saw Winfield Jr. Yeah, so I just think that the Cheetah is going to have another. I'm, I'm not saying he's going to have a 200 yard first quarter, mm-hmm. but he is going to have a lightning first half. But at the end of the game. Travis Kelsey would be the difference because honestly, I don't see an answer for Travis Kelsey. Nope. And the only way, and I, I feel that Andy Reid, even though he'll be down some Pro Bowl offensive linemen, yeah, he will scheme. He will scheme to the strengths of because if you notice and how Andy Reid, since he's had Mahomes, what he does, Patrick Mahomes is the most dangerous quarterback when it comes to blitzing. You don't yep. want to blitz him. No one can touch. His of QBR when it comes to, and you know, Skip Bayless on Fox always talks about QBR, QBR, QBR. Patrick Mahomes' QBR against the Blitz is in the 90s. Yeah. And so the key thing is that pressure needs to come. But what happens? So Shaq Barrett and JPP, I feel, you know, they will be disruptive at some points in the game. But the thing is, Andy Reid knows that he has a deficit, and so he will adjust the offense. And I think what's going to happen is the middle of that offense, which I've looked at where teams really can attack the Buccaneers, is in that middle area of the offense. Okay. And I think Kelsey is going to be eating. He is going to be feeding. What's going to happen is he's going to force Bowles to adjust. And then once that adjustment happens – the floodgates are Andy because you remember the one thing with the relationship between Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, their, their relationship, what you see in their relationship is this. You see that Andy Reid trusts Mahomes to on the fly, switch the playbook. You have all these plays at your disposal, bro, whatever the offense gives you. And the thing is because, um, you know, Mahomes sometimes has happy feet a little bit. Like, like when he's dealing he gets happy and he'll be doing these trick underhand passes. You know, mm-hmm. I think the game, I, for some reason, my heart tells me that this game is going to get out of hand because of a mistake. 
And then we'll hear, um, you know, Tom Brady be like, you know what, man, we'll be back next year. To me, Tom Brady has not played a Tom Brady level playoff game in my eyes. And I think that they, that this will, that they will get exposed. But at 43, is he capable of like that Tom Brady, that 28 of 38 for 450 yards or four touchdowns? No. Well, I don't Rob, know if Tom Brady got that. Rob, well, the, well, well, the media is like, you know, in love with him. Oh my God, Tom Brady. Oh, listen, Tom he's Brady, been smart. He's been smart. He's thrown a lot. He's thrown a lot more interceptions than he normally does. Right. This season, more so than you know previous years, that because you know that offense was so tailored to Tom Brady's strengths. This one is tailored to his strengths to a certain point, but you know, man, I don't know if he's like one of those guys who's going to come out guns blazing like he was maybe five six years ago and just like just right. slice everybody up that's not tom brady anymore but tom brady is still capable of beating you okay he instead of going 28 38 450 he can go 25 for you know 30 you know 305 yards three touchdowns still give you no picks you know he's not going to just shred and you're just gonna mm-hmm. rest on his arm for for 60 minutes but on the same token you know like whatever it takes to win. That's that's always been his MO. Whatever it takes to win. If you need me to throw 50 times or you need me to throw 50, 15 times, he's gonna do what it needs it needs to get done to win the game. He'll keep it close. I just think that the firepower of Kelsey, uh Tyreek Hill, and Kansas City's ability to run, they can run the football. Okay. Edwards right, when they um, want to. You know, Edwards Hillary came back last yep. week. That's key. Le'Veon Bell is gonna be able to play. And they and they have uh, Daryl Williams, uh, right. three guys that are capable of either. Which I think, which I think he will be the X factor. I think Daryl yeah. Williams will set the tone, and then and then you know they'll sprinkle in a layer and they'll sprinkle in some of Le'Veon Bell. Honestly, this is a Super Bowl that caters to a Le'Veon Bell's talents. Now I don't think Le'Veon Bell yeah, after this season dude. will he be the with same. the Chiefs. I think he'll be, you know, on the free agent market. Yeah, Le'Veon Bell ain't the same dude. He's not the same dude. He hasn't been the same dude since he came back after taking a year off. He just is not the same running back. Like maybe whatever he got when he was with the Jets, because usually when you play with the Jets, it's like an infection. Um, It's a, (laughs) it's almost like you just forget how to play football playing with the New York Jets. But uh, he just hasn't been the same dude. You know, he hasn't been the same dude. Right. You know, and that's unfortunate because he was a uh, dynamic running back when he was with the Steelers, but he's just not the same dude. But do you think? Do you think it's because he sat out that year? I um, think that has something to do with it. He lost some conditioning. Like I don't know if you can replicate a football. I mean, a football training camp. Uh, you know, just the training and the dedication to the crap that it takes to, for football on your own. You can try to replicate that atmosphere, but I don't know, man. I think that definitely having took any taking a year off hurt him. Mm-hmm. It hurt him, and it's he just hasn't been the same. He hasn't been the same guy. Anybody who watches him knows he hasn't been the same guy since. He may be able to give you a game here and there. Maybe that game is a Super Bowl. Maybe it is, but I just don't know if Le'Veon Bell's that dude anymore. Right? He just isn't. You know. Yeah. So you say thirty. I say thirty-four, twenty-four. You say forty-eight to twenty-one. Guys, uh, <laughs> let's see. Let us know what you think of uh, who scores right. We're both picking the, the Chiefs to win. Nobody's, you know, going away from the Chiefs. But 
what do you guys think of the scores? Hit us up, you know, on our email. We'll send that and we'll give you the information at the end of the show. But after after this Super Bowl, huh. all the attention, all the attention is gonna go to to one thing, okay? And the big thing that everybody's gonna be talking about after the Super Bowl is gonna be one guy. Okay. Huh. That guy plays quarterback. He's a really good quarterback. He has a national championship in college. That's Deshaun Watson. And I don't know if you've been paying attention, but Deshaun Watson wants out of Houston. He wants to get traded. He saw right. James Harden work his way out of Houston. Hmm. He said, I'm going to do it too. H-Town ain't, ain't, ain't about it right now. I'm getting out of here. So he's getting out of Houston, and he says that he wants to be traded. So, uh, John, talk to me a little bit about your feelings on Deshaun Watson's tr uh, trade request, and how does this make the Houston Texans look right now? How do the in your eyes? How do you feel about the Houston Texans? You're not a Texans fan. I'm not a Texans fan. So this is our outside perspective from a fan's uh, mm. you know, point of view. What are your thoughts on Deshaun Watson's trade request and what it makes the Texans look like? All right, man. So this right here hurts because, um, well, it hurts for the Texans. Um, I want, for you folks out there listening in, I'm a Chicago Bears fan. And I, I made a phone call to management and said, let's, <laughs> let's, um, let's go ahead and trade the first, the, our first round pick this year, our first round pick last, um, next year to second round picks in the next drafts after that and Mitchell Trubisky. And that's our <laughs> offer for Deshaun Watson. Okay. Um, Mitchell Trubisky. Yes. Hey, um, wait, wait. So, here's, so here's the thing. Deshaun Watson, in my opinion, currently right now is a top five quarterback. Okay. okay? Top five, maybe even top three to some people. Mm -hmm. Okay. Despite all that, he played on a bad team. If you're an organization right now looking at your team and if you have the makeup of a potential Super Bowl contender and you need a quarterback, this is the guy that you need to move hell or high water to do a trade for. Okay? Mm -hmm. My feeling on Houston, what this makes Houston look like is this makes Houston a team that if you're a future draft pick, playing in the draft and Houston is up to draft you. If you're a brother, you're like, look, man, um, I ain't playing. No, don't, don't pick me. I know, you know, granted, you know, the NFL, the NFL doesn't have quote unquote, the leverage that the NBA, that the NBA has, but McNair with a lot of the stuff that he said about his black players, first of all, Trading DeAndre Hopkins, and here's my thing. If you're going to trade your arguably one of the top five receivers in the league, trade him and get some good value for him. Yeah. You traded him for, 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 for scraps, okay? Yeah, you traded him for David Johnson in some right. draft. I don't even remember what draft. Right. I think, I think it was like a, a third or, or – or, yeah, it was not a good, it wasn't a good deal. Okay, yeah, it was not, not a good trade. deal. Okay, number two, you know this this right here basically stems from. Here's the thing: he's your friend. Deshaun Watson is your franchise quarterback. 
you guys had an understanding that any coaching or managerial decisions, you will talk to him first and say, hey, you know, this is direction. You're not asking him his permission as to who we should look at. You want to put him in the loop. Hey, we're looking at this particular guy. What are your thoughts? That's all yeah. he wants, a conversation. I'm your franchise. I'm the face of this organization. I want to be kept in the loop. You don't keep him in the loop. Mm-hmm. There have been reports that he asked for, you know, guys like Eric Bieniemy and Leon Frazier to get interviewed. Mm-hmm. You guys didn't even bother, you know, this is all speculation from what people have said. You didn't even, um, you know, consider them before, but because he said it and you were afraid that he was going to get mad, you go and make an olive branch phone call. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and so hearing stuff like that, he's like, wait, you got rid of D-Hop. I had trash around me and I still threw for 4,800 yards. Yep. With yep. trash. Mm-hmm. Could you believe, and, and, and you know, no, no disrespect to the guys that he, that, that he threw the ball to, but remember, Fuller was out for a good part of the year. Yeah. Um, he was throwing to, you know, guys that come off the practice squad. And he well, he was throwing to Brandon Cook. You know, they did have Brandon Listen, Cooks. Brandon Cooks is done. Okay. Brandon ooh, Cooks. Ooh, ooh, listen, Brandon listen Cook? I don't, if oh. Brandon Cooks, listen, if Brandon Cooks listens to our podcast, Brandon Cooks, you are done. Okay. Oh, I thought that Cook. honestly, a few years back, you were you were great, you know. But you're done. You are done. Um, I just don't make sure. Make, make, make sure. Make sure you don't <laughs> see Brandon Cook. Now, granted, you're probably a bigger guy than Brandon Cook. Cook right. So he may not. He may not run up on you, but he may be <laughs> with someone. Right. He may be with someone that can't run up on you. So be careful. So listen, listen. I ain't afraid of no NFL player. Right. So here's the thing, Man, Brandon Cook. Please, if, 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 if you're if, listening, if Indomitian Sue walked up on you talking about what's up, no, you can't. Like, if, if Brent, I will have listen, a conversation if, if with walked up on you and said, yo, let me catch that fade. No, no, no. <laughs> We're not going to fight. We're going to debate, okay? I'm going to debate. I'm going to debate. Sue? I'm going to debate which door I'm going to no. run out of. No, if, I'm if, going if to. No. Zoo, no. On, Let's have a conversation. Let's have a conversation as to no. why no. I no. feel that your no. play sucks, okay? No. But like Brandon Cooks, uh, listen, Brandon Cooks used to be one of my favorite receivers and I don't want to spend a lot of time on Brandon Cook, but Brandon Cook used to be one of my favorite receivers on fantasy. After that mm-hmm. one glorious he had, he has been a liability. Yep, so boy. he should not be at, at advice on fantasy football. Don't pick Brandon Cooks as one of your receivers. Oh, man. he won't produce. You are. All right. Now, now back to Deshaun. Okay. Deshaun Watson is, if Mahomes is your first pick, Deshaun should be your second. Okay, period. Mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson, here's the thing. I'm proud of the guy. I'm proud of him taking a stand. And I think watching this, watching how the, how, how the, how the Deshaun Watson situation unfolds, I think the owners, like this is what's happening with Deshaun Watson. Does not only affect the, the, the Texans? I think it's going to affect the entire league because now you have a quarterback who's saying, look, I don't want to play for this team anymore. And I think in order for the NFL players to sort of get a stranglehold on things that benefit them, because we see that in the NBA, the NBA, a player could be like, listen, man, I want out and start whining. And as much as you don't like it, 
they they eventually end up going to where they want to go. You know, yeah. we saw that with Anthony Davis. He wanted to end up in L.A. People were like, well, don't trade him there. What happened? It ended up happening. He went to L.A. Mm-hmm. We look at James Harden. James Harden said he wanted to play for the Nets or the Sixers. People were like, oh, that's not going to happen. Blah, blah, blah. This ain't going to happen. Eventually, what happened? It happened. Mm-hmm. NFL, you can do all that one. That doesn't happen. But I think because of the position, the quarterback position is the number one position in the NFL. And when you have one of the premier faces saying, I want out, I think has a cascading effect down where it's going to empower players to stand up for themselves. And also what it's going to do is it's now it's going to force the owners to say, oh, whoa, the, the, the asylum is not, you know, the establishment is not happy. We, we, need to, we need to get to a point where we work with them. And, and I think this is going to affect the collective bargaining agreement when it comes back up again, when the players mm-hmm. and the league sit at the table, that the players are going to be like, look, we want more, we want more control. We want more power. And I think it's going to, you know, they may try my, you know, because Deshaun Watson, his whole entire career has been a nice guy. Yep. There are going to be people who are going to try to smear his name and make him look like the villain. But yep. I think sometimes it takes moments like this in order to cause dramatic change in the league, which let, let, let's be honest, we love football. Yeah. Despite all the BS that happens in the league, we love watching football. I don't care if you put people, most people, if you put basketball and football and say, which one would you like to watch more? Majority of people will say football because it. we love the gladiator effect, the, the battle. Yeah. You know, in the NBA, you know, guys touch, touch you on the shoulders a foul. We're like, Oh, come on. This game is, you know, it's too soft. Like, we love the physical warfare. So I think this is good for the league. I think, you know, it, it, it makes, you know, to, to your question, it makes the Houston Texans look bad. And I yep. think the remedy for the Texans, honestly, is for McNair to, to make a public statement, apologize, apologize to Deshaun, apologize to his team. Because what's going to end up happening is, you may see other players on this team be like, look, trade me. Yeah. And do this. So yeah, there's going to be some PR stuff that Texas are going to have to do. All right, Rob, I leave it to you. Well, I mean, I think definitely with the culture of the Houston Texans, there's a, there's some touch of old school. And I think there's a, there's a touch of racism. I think in the way that the Houston Texans have handled you know, they feel it's probably their mentality is that we manage the team you play, shut your mouth and play. We paid you, shut your mouth and play. That's the kind of, uh, I think, mindset it looks like uh, when it comes to the Houston Texans. And I think for Deshaun Watson to turn around and say, you know, because like you said, he's always been a good guy, very uh, appreciative exactly. of the opportunity, um, very gracious. You know, I don't see Diva, you know, when I look at Deshaun Watson. You know, uh, he's a very humble uh, individual. I love watching him play, uh, you know, from all accounts, from what you see from him. He seems like a really grounded person, you know. Don't know him personally, but, of course, you know, you kind of can deduce based on what you see, um, you know, from him, you know, in his interviews and the way he uh, handles himself. But for me, 
it's a really, it's more so a, uh, it's really disingenuous. I think the way Houston has really handled the situation, they didn't care exactly. about his input. They didn't care about his input when it came to the general manager. And I think it even further shows their, uh, how disingenuous they are when they hired the coach, David Cully. Okay. The coach, David Cully is 65 years old. He's black. So I think they say, Oh, if we get a, if we get a black man in here, that'll make mm-hmm. Sean feel better. Mm-hmm. Well, my thing is this, if you wanted a black face, okay, why not hire Eric B enemy? Exactly. Who, who is shown that he is capable of, you know, running a really good offense. And if he's able to do that with Patrick Mahomes, you know, you had Deshaun Watson, you may add, you know, probably an upgrade in at the running back. They, you know, could be a very explosive um, offense. And that could be a very good hire. But you hire a guy who is 65 years old, who you know really can't coach the team into the future. What, maybe three, four, five years? Rob, Rob listen, team is good. I guarantee you. If Cully has here's the thing, this is, this is another issue. Black coaches have, have shorter leeches, um, leashes, right? They have a shorter leech, and he yep. is set up to fail. Oh, exactly. Set up, Rob, him, think about this. If Cully comes out this next season and goes four and twelve, okay, which he probably will, do you think he'll have a job after that? No, I think he'll they, be fired right after that. They may keep him for a year or two. Um, you know, he's been a, the guy. Here's the thing. He's never been an offensive coordinator. Right. He's never been a defensive coordinator. Like, where is it that guys who, you know, now there have been some guys, Joe Judge, for example, with the New York Giants, who was a special teams coordinator. Um, but the David Culley's been in the league, or he's been coaching for a long time, long time assistant. Never been an offensive coordinator, never been a defensive coordinator. He's been passing game coordinator, been assistant coach, been quarterback's coach. This guy's never been a, you know, where he's had to take control of the team. I, I didn't know the guy existed until, you know, they went ahead and named him the coach. I'm like, who is he? I had to go do a Google search to find out who this, who this man is. And it's, <laughs> you're setting him up. You're setting him up to fail because you have a disaster with Deshaun. Deshaun wants out. So you're going to end up possibly trading Deshaun Watson, getting guys back who cannot, you know, immediately contribute. And you're going to have a, you know, a mess on your hands. And of course, what happens? You blame David Cully. He gets fired in a couple of years. And that's the only head coaching job he's probably ever going to have at 65. I don't see anybody else coming in and hiring him after all this is said and done. Right. I think it's, it, to me, it makes Houston look really bad. It looks, there's racism it, that, you know, in terms of their inability to kind of just say, you know what? It's a new age. We have a franchise player in Deshaun Watson that we need to involve when it comes to the decisions because it's his future too. If you have a bad general manager who cannot put a talented team together, you're going to have a situation, uh, you know, like Matthew Stafford has when you're just playing for a team, you're playing well. And I think Deshaun Watson is better than Matthew Stafford, but um, a situation where he's been playing for a long time, maybe you make the playoffs a couple of years, but for the most part, you're, a middling to mediocre football team. And Deshaun Watson doesn't want, you know, like he doesn't want to play in that situation. Therefore, he is looking to have a say in who the actual general manager and, you know, hopefully the coach is going to be. I don't think it's a bad 
for him to to want that kind of power or to desire that kind of uh you know position because it's just absolutely ridiculous that at this point with what Deshaun Watson has accomplished that basically he's being shown or given like the cold shoulder as far as the Houston Texans franchise is, is concerned. I think the David Cully hire is a is, is a hire basically is a hire to get fired because they're gonna fire that man in, in two years and he's getting set up and I, and I feel bad for him. But at the end of the day, Houston just looks terrible. I hope Deshaun finds a better franchise, you know, to to play for. And I agree, man. It's it's, 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 it's nasty. Houston, Houston's gonna suffer, and then they're not gonna have a lot of good football for a long time. But just before we get out this segment and move on to uh, the NBA, the reason why I feel Brandon Cooks may find you in the street. <laughs> and try to and try to and ask you, hey, run me that fade. Is <laughs> this season okay with you with the Houston Texans? Brandon uh-huh. Cooks, eighty-one catches, eleven hundred and fifty yards, and six touchdowns. So he said, if you think I'm done, watch me run. Th- you know, run me this fade real quick. Okay. Listen. So. No- his yards this year were the most empty, eleven hundred yards. So not I've ever seen the NFL. Okay, think about it. Think about it. Those yards were thrown by. Now, granted, the team sucked. Okay, the team was terrible, but they had a bad season. But you know, hey, listen, he still he still was able to put up some numbers after some really weak seasons in um, LA. So I give him credit for that, man. I give him credit. So listen, hey. Uh, Hey Brandon, if you listen to our show, look, I mean no disrespect, but I just no, think no, that you are, no, 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 no. Let let me finish, Rob. I feel that you've been declining, and you, you you used to be a impact player in this league, and I just don't feel like that you're that much of an impact anymore. So, okay, Rob, you think about it. You read those stats. Ask any football fan. How, how how was Brandon Cook's year? And they're like, who Brandon Brandon who? <laughs> oh, who? Yeah, the, yeah. I mean, this Houston was terrible. That's that's <laughs> what that's what I, I had no idea Deshaun Watson had such a great season until after the season because Houston Texans were just terrible. So we're gonna we're gonna transition from Houston Texans football. We're, we're going to take a two step over to the national baby the, the national basketball. Association. I'm not saying the National Baby Association. Not yet. Wait, you said the National Baby Association? <laughs> National Baby Association. You know? No, but listen, I love NBA basketball, man. It's a fun, fun game to watch. I love it. It's exciting. As you guys know, from last episode, I am a Brooklyn Nets fan. I'm excited about the possibilities with Brooklyn. I'm excited about the possibilities, um, you know, with the three-headed monster of Kyrie Irving, uh, Kevin Durant, and James Harden. But Kyrie makes me a little scared at, at times. I just don't know if I can trust Kyrie as a fan. But it's not just about Kyrie. I want you, <laughs> okay, I want you to talk briefly, okay, about you, how you've seen the NBA season so far. Give me one surprise team, okay, that you have, and then one team that you feel has been a bit of a disappointment or maybe in trouble. 
Okay, so you know, you folks know that I'm a Knicks fan. Um, surprise team for me this season right now is, believe it or not, the New York Knicks. Oh, yeah. I'm surprised. Like, no one's talking about them, but they're technically in the playoffs right now. If the playoffs were to start, they're in the playoffs. Yeah. And so I got to say, Tom Thibodeau has done a great job because let's be, you know, Tibbs' um, MO has been defense first, defense first. R.J. Barrett is having an amazing year. I don't know if people have been looking mm-hmm. at R.J. Barrett lately. Yeah, man. R- but R. he is – like, listen, I, I was very – I liked him, but I have I have a feeling about players that – players from Canada. You know, yeah. a la um, Wiggins. So you, so, so, you, so you start out attacking Brandon Cook. <laughs> now you're attacking Canadians. Okay. All <laughs> listen, right. Go I ahead, guess, man. The best Canadian ball player, of course, of all time is Steve Nash, period. But Andre Wiggins was a disappointment. Um, I still feel he can turn it around. Um, you know, he's to me like he he's he hasn't played to his potential yet. Mm-hmm. And RJ Barrett, which watching him at Duke, you know, you watch Zion and how dominant Zion was, and you know, RJ Barrett was that guy, you know, was that was his Robin, and you know. Our, I was my thing with RJ Barrett was could he develop a jump shot, a consistent jump shot that mm-hmm. would keep him, you know, like in terms of slashing and stuff like that. I thought he was a, a very good slasher and getting to the basket. Mm-hmm. I was concerned about can this guy have a set shot that he could knock down that makes him look honest? Yeah. That people are like, oh man, we got to get on RJ and defend him. He has, in my opinion, dramatically improved in a yeah. year. His mm-hmm. offense, how he attacks the basket, even his defense, how he plays defense. So yeah. my surprise team is the, I would say the Knicks, um, strictly because they're playing good basketball. Like even the games they've lost, you know, some of them, you know, they've had lapses, but they've played good basketball. My disappointing team right now. Um, I, for some reason, I thought the Suns would be a little bit better than they currently are right now. Um, mm-hmm. To me, offensively, I think they have a lot, and they're a very scrappy defensive team. Yeah. Um, and so um, I'm a little surprised at, you know, like how they're playing right now because um, they started off the year hot, and they sort of cooled off um, a little bit. My other disappointment, honestly, is uh, – I don't know. Like, I really felt the Grizz, the Grizzlies, would be a little bit better than they are right now. Mm-hmm. Um, they're playing okay, you know, okay, but I just think it'd be a little bit better. So, my, so, so my surprise definitely is, um, the Knicks right now, and my disappointments right now in terms of their play is the Suns and the Grizzlies. I just thought that they, that they at this point in the season would be a little bit better. Um, yeah. So those are my um, disappointments. All right. How about you, bro? I would say the surprise team for me, and this was a playoff team last year. I Man, I think Utah, Utah, the Utah Jazz. As uh, you know, I saw them play a couple games against uh, the Dallas Mavericks. They, you know, pretty much ran the Mavericks like right off the floor, and I think one of the games didn't even have Donovan Mitchell 
they're right now the one seed in the West, which is not saying much at this point in the season, but right. it's been a crazy season. So, but Utah to me is a surprise team. I always saw them as like a four or five seed. They may win the first round and then they may, and then they're out in the second round. But I've got to tell you, man, they've been playing very well. They play some good defense. They're hitting threes at a historic rate right now. They're just yeah. um, very, very, very uh, efficient. That's a, that's a dangerous team if they consistently, you know, play this way. Uh, and, of course, if they stay healthy, you know, Conley has had injury issues in the past. Uh, you had Bogdanovic who missed the bubble because of injury. Donovan Mitchell uh, had recently had a concussion. So, um, you know, it's – they're a very interesting team because they do have a lot of options when it comes to scoring. They have enough defense, especially with a guy like Rudy Gobert in the paint, to really uh, put some uh, put some good work in against some of the better teams. I don't know if I would pick them right now in a series against the Clippers or the Lakers, but you know the season still has to. We're not even halfway to the you know halfway point of the season, so they. They're a very interesting team that yeah. I like, and I definitely like looking at them this year. Mike Conley's playing well. Donovan Mitchell, you know, is a stud. Um, I didn't like the fact that Shaq tried to get at him on national television, um, you know, saying that he wasn't that good. I don't know what Shaq's issue is trying to. So uh, I, think Shaq's issue, I think Shaq's issue is like, how does this guy get a $200 million contract? And well, he'll give you he give you twelve points and tw- like he gives you twelve points and fifteen points. No, I'm that's talking like, about when he got at Donovan Mitchell. Oh, Mitchell? Yeah, when he, got, when he said, when he said, I don't know if you saw it, he's, he went on TNT after the game. They played someone on, they played some team in one. And then Shaq, you know, in the interview says, I think you're good, but you're not, but you can't take it to the next level. What are your thoughts on that? And I just look at the tape. Um, now that Mitchell oh, said, yeah. Now that Mitchell said, well, you know, exactly what he should have said, like, whatever, that's your opinion. You know, I'll, I'll do my thing. But Donovan Mitchell, He's a he's a really really good player. Uh, I don't know. He's not at the KD LeBron level, but he's a very good player and he has a good supporting cast. So they're a good team. Right, but I, listening to Shaq's comments, um, I did see. Um, I didn't get a chance to see the whole thing, but I but I saw bits and pieces. Looking at Shaq, I think what Shaq is really trying to get at with Donovan is is it's one thing to be to be the guy on your team, right? But how do you bring, you know, your your play, how does how, how does it improve the guys around you? Like, do the guys around you, are they better because you're there? And I think when you look at their times, when you look at Donovan Mitchell, even in the playoffs when he was going up against um, Murray, it seemed as if it was a one-on-one game and just – you know, the players around them were just like, just watching. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, like when you look at, you know, the great players of the league and, you know, the, a lot of the old heads bash a lot of the new guys, which part of it is unfair, but like you look at a Kobe, right? Did Kobe make the players around him better? Yes. Right. And, okay. and, you know, when, when you look at Donovan Mitchell, the question is, like, yeah, he's an exceptional talent, but I really think the the, the core fundamental thing that Shaq probably getting at is, like, do you make the guys around you better? 
But that's you don't do that on a national. Like, True, I agree. Talk to him like that. I, th- I think from Shaq to do that was was weak, and I wouldn't say it to Shaq's face because Shaq's twice my size. But and then again, I probably would because Shaq is probably smart enough to say, yeah, "I I'm not gonna pay, I'm not gonna pay this man after I knock his right, knock right. His face off." So Shaq, 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 Shaq's not gonna come at Shaq ain't gonna come at me, and Shaq probably runs like a the forty in fifteen minutes. So. <laughs> um, I I feel fairly confident that I would be able to get away from him if if it came to that. Now, the uh, team that is disappointing to me uh, is a team that was had a deep playoff run last year and actually made the finals last year. That's the Miami uh-huh. Heat. Uh-huh. Miami Heat are six and twelve, and I understand Jimmy Butler. Right, is out. I can't be mad at them. Tyler Hero's been out, but listen, Jimmy Butler's played six games this year. He's averaging 16 points and five rebounds. They are two and four in the games that Jimmy Butler has played. Okay. okay. Two and four. Bam Adebayo has been great uh, this season, but my issue with Miami is that I understand Jimmy Butler's been out. I understand Tyler Hero's been out. I understand Avery Bradley's been out, but this is a short season, a shorter season. You don't know what happens with players having to miss game due to COVID. At six and twelve, there's a chance they may not be able to recover, because it's not like when Jimmy Butler comes back. Oh, Miami's just a juggernaut. Oh, they got Jimmy now. Jimmy's about to be dropping buckets. Jimmy Butler is a really good player. He's a really good player. Okay, he's not at the LeBron KD um, level. He is a really good player. So I don't think that when Miami gets Jimmy Butler back, that all of a sudden they're going to go on this great run. It's going to be difficult and very interesting to see what transpires with Miami because at 6-12, and 12, it's going to be very hard for them to work back because, like you said earlier, the Knicks are playing well. Okay, yep. Atlanta Hawks are, are playing well. Uh, for I mean, the Hawks can play a lot better. I'm a little not as high on the Hawks as I thought I would be at this point in the season, because I think they should be, uh, have a little better record than they do now. But in the East, it's going to be very interesting because if you think about it, Toronto has been a huge disappointment. Okay. They're seven and 12. Uh, the heat have been a disappointment due to injuries. Okay. But if you're not able to climb out, you know, at a certain point in this season, you may find yourself just out because I think right now you have a couple of locks in right. the in, in the East. I think Milwaukee is a lock for the playoffs. I think the Sixers are a lock for the playoffs. I think Boston is a lock for the playoffs. I think the Nets, you know, provided they stay healthy, are a lock for the playoffs. That's one, two, three, four locks. I also think the Pacers are going to be a lock for the playoffs. That's okay. five locks, okay? Mm-hmm. That's five teams that's locked in into the postseason. So that means there's three spots that are going to – three spots that are open for the Hawks, for the Raptors, potentially the Knicks, the Magic, and potentially the Hornets. The Hornets, you know, haven't been terrible. So that's about five teams watching for three spots. And if the Heat fall deeper into a hole, they may not be able to – they may run out of time, you know, when it comes to finding themselves back in the playoffs. So that's something to keep an eye on when right. it comes to uh, this season. So I think, you know, so far in in this uh, season, 
the Heat have been a disappointing have been a disappointing team more so because of injury and the fact that they may not be able to climb out that hole. Utah to me is very very interesting. You are a little disappointed in the Phoenix Suns. You are yeah. surprised and happy with your New York Knicks. Uh, I think this season the way it's shaping out, I'm excited to watch. Uh, as as a Nets fan, it's an opportunity. We haven't had title aspirations for a while since Jason Kidd. So True. it's it's exciting, you know, and hopefully, you know, we can add some some bigs, you know, to make us uh you know more formidable in the on the defensive side and on the rebound. So I'm excited about um Brooklyn. I'm excited about the opportunities that they are, you know, can have. But you know, it's a long season, injuries happen, you know, chemistry issues happen. I just think that it's uh, too early to kind of come to any conclusions. Yeah, we're not so, even – we're coming close to, to – what, the season this year is 72 games, right? 72 so, games, yeah. And most teams, most teams have played – well, you know, just looking at the standings, most teams have played between 18 and 20 games. Exactly. So, so yeah. like, for example, the Sixers are, are currently right now – you know, at this point in the season, are uh, fourteen and six, so mm-hmm. they got fifty-two games um, left to play. And so, you know, looking, you know, and I had mentioned that you know the Grizzlies. I just like like I thought for, you know, how the season would start. I thought the Grizzlies and the and the Suns would be in the top five spots early on in the season. Mm-hmm. And of course, as things adjust. Um, you know they may fall a little bit because looking at the looking at their starting schedule, their starting schedule, in my opinion, was very favorable. Yeah, like most of their most of the testing comes in the middle and the end for both of those teams, and I just thought that that both those teams would be in the top five starting the season, and and they're not. You know, they're just mm-hmm. you know, a little bit below. Um, but but you are right about the the only reason why I didn't I, I didn't say the Heat because of the amount of injuries that they had that's why they were not for me a disappointment cuz i'm looking at the rosters as the, as they are and i'm like yeah most of these teams are intact but they're not performing where they should be now the thing is the east you know right now looking looking at it out of 15 teams in the east the Heat are currently number 13, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, you know, they got to get to the top eight. So they got to climb, you know, five, six spots to get in there, right? Um, I think once their team is at – because here's the thing. Avery Bradley, as good of a player as he is, he is injury prone. That is clear. He is injury yeah. prone. Butler, as good of a player that he is, you know, granted, he, you know, COVID and all that stuff, but you know he gets he he gets nicked up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're saying he's he's injury prone. Yeah, you know he has a level of injury proneness as well. Hero. Okay, so it's not so now. So just to make sure in this in this episode, you said uh, Jimmy Butler's brittle, Avery Bradley's brittle, and Brandon Cooks uh-huh. is done. So no no no. I, no. I, wanna... I didn't say Brandon Cooks is done. I just said that he is fall out, falling off a cliff. He's like oh, completely wow. done. He's falling off. Yeah, that, maybe it's a Tom Brady clip. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, you know, looking at the Heat, um, 
because of their mental toughness, I think that once those players get back, and it's going to take a couple of games, um, you know, we can revisit the Miami Heat, I think, after 30 games. Let's just see after 30 games where they are. And if they're in the same position after 30 games, then at that point it's, you know, about done for them, okay? But um, to honestly make a really good assumption, because remember, this is a 72-game season. I think after 30 games, you can pretty much see who's going to be around and who probably is in the is, is in what we call the danger zone yeah um so like right now you know we're still early it's it's you know most teams uh, very few teams have played 20 games most teams have played between 18 and 19 mm-hmm. you know, i want to see where they are 30 games in 35 games in you know 30 to 35 and i think that will basically tell you okay looking at this body of work left here's Here's who's a potential lock. Here's who's in a danger zone. Yeah. Because um, yeah. it also matters, you know, and last point I want to make, it also matters a lot for these teams in positioning. You know, if you're in the West, you know, your goal is to avoid playing the Lakers or the Clippers the first round. So yeah, how do you strategize your play where you don't end up with one of those teams um, at, at the time, because as good as Denver was last year, Murray isn't playing as well. Mm-hmm. Jokic has still been Jokic, um, but Murray is not playing as well as I thought he 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 should. That that honestly should have been my disappointment team, even though they're up there. Yeah, but like expectations for Denver. Yeah, they're not better than the Clippers. They're not better. Like, granted, they beat the Clippers last year. All right, right, but. Um, they're not better than the Clippers. They're not better than the Lakers. And it's questionable whether they're better than a team like Utah, which should have beaten them last year in the playoffs anyway. Right. Um, so, you know, we don't, well, we don't, I don't think the bubble, I think maybe obscure people's views a little bit. Right. Cause I don't think it would have happened that way. Had we had a, a normal playoffs. Right. But I'm not gonna lie. Like watching these games without fans, you know, I don't know. It seems like it's a rec game. <laughs> it's like yeah, one of these recreational yeah, games. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's there's you know fans definitely have an effect on the yeah. game, and I think that's, I mean, that's fairly obvious in just all the sports you're watching. It's different when there's no fans, right? So, but we do have fans, and the fans are our listeners to our podcast. Yep, and we want to connect with them. We want to we want to connect with them. Okay, we want to connect with them. And we want to let them know that uh, we hear what they are saying and we care about what they're saying. So, guys, brothers, reach out to us, okay? Blood Brothers Ballin, okay? That's Blood Brothers, B-A-L-L-I-N, at gmail.com. And, you know, just hit us up. Tell us what you think. Do you think John's assessment of the surprise and disappointing (laughs) NBA teams are accurate do you think he's correct in saying brandon cooks is done and brandon cooks um <laughs> is no longer a, a great receiver do you think that brandon cooks and john should have an mma match tell us what you think <laughs> tell us what tell us what hey you man think. 
Okay, tell us hey. what you think. Blood Brothers balling at G. Brandon, Brandon don't want that smoke. Okay, <laughs> you heard what he said. Brandon doesn't want that smoke. Blood Brothers balling at gmail.com. Okay, Blood Brothers balling at Blood Brothers balling at gmail. That's balling without the G. Gmail.com. We'll hit you up with the Instagram and the Twitter pages soon. But we really appreciate you guys listening to us talk about sports. Thank you for being a brother. Take care. We love you. Peace out. Peace.